0: As um as well, it's a bit weird this, isn't it? It's like the Philistines and the um, Israelites across the valley, and we're across the baptistry pool, so I don't know who's the Philistines and who's the Israelites, but uh, you can make that up between you. Um, but, uh, I was... Um, meant to be speaking on Philippines today, Uh, if you've been following us through, we were meant to be going through our series, and I I got it all prepared, it's um, seven pages long, and um, was ready to roll this morning, Um, and I just didn't sleep well last night, Um, just thinking about today, and today is an amazing day for Julie, uh, getting baptised, and we want to celebrate that, don't we, we want to just rejoice in that, yeah, even when Nick, Nick announced it earlier, it was just like there was no reaction. I was like, "Come on, you know, we want to we want to rejoice in these moments. They're big moments, for, particularly for Julie's life. But it reminds us of all that baptism is." And so I've just I'm abandoning Philippines this morning, uh, and just going with what I feel God's just um, laid on my heart. I've got a few things I've just written down. So just, it's not going to be my most polished, but I just feel that in something in the spirit, we need to pick up on this and and just help. God, help us. So Lord, we just come to you this morning. We come with nothing, as it were, to offer you. We thank you that you love us just as we are. Thank you, Father, Lord, for salvation stories right across this room. Lord, thank you, God, for, for amazing testimonies of your Grace and your uh, just your love that's been poured out into our lives for your mercy upon us, Father. We just graciously worship you, Lord, for your goodness towards us. Mm. God, would you help us this morning as we look a little bit at your words, we just again reflect on all that you've done for us, Lord. For those of us who've already been baptized, would you remind us again of the joy of baptism, Lord? All of it represents. Father, I pray that you'd even take us back to our own baptism days and just think, wow, what a moment that was for us. Lord, a real sort of nail in the, in the stake of, I'm nailing my colours to the mast. And Lord, we pray, particularly for Julie this morning, Lord, we be over her, on her, fully with your spirit. Lord, as she takes this step of obedience to what you have commanded us to do when we come into faith with you. God, be over us, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, you may have noticed, um, it's a little bit pingy, Gary. Can you just take the top end off? Um, you may have noticed we've so got a ladder. So I thought this morning um, it would be easier if I actually preach them up here. And I said, no, no, that's not really that. <laughs> Ladders are amazing things, aren't they? They're useful. Not Well, maybe not quite in here, but they are things that have been around for a long time. I don't know whether you'd have a guess of how old the oldest ladder is, Uh, look this up. Apparently one of the earliest pictures of a ladder is in a cave in Valencia in Spain uh, and they reckon it to be around 10,000 years old, this picture of of a ladder. So they've been around for a long time, Uh, they've been used in all sorts of different ways, in warfare, particularly uh, when they wanted to capture a castle, they would take their ladder and get it up against the wall so they could get into the castle. Tallest ladder in the in the in the world, or tallest ladder that is regularly used, is by the U.S. Fire Department. Any guesses? I could do meters or feet. Any guesses how tall the tallest ladder that the U.S. Fire Department use on their trucks? How many? Gary, you're almost on the money. Almost on the money. 100, 105 feet, which I think is probably around about 32 meters long. So if you go to a swimming pool, most of them are 25 meters long, unless it's an Olympic one. 25 meters long is longer than that. That is the longest ladder in action. 30,000 people a year fall off ladders. 30, Anybody falling off a ladder? Trevor, well done. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, you're not part of the next statistic, which is unfortunately 6,000 people die a year from falling off ladders. Ladders are all around us. They're in every aspect of our uh, vocabulary. They're in our day-to-day lives. If you think about films, particularly if you're my age, uh, so last night, Catherine and I, you might have seen on our little Facebook, we went off to see Aha. Uh, so it takes me back into the 80s. So that sort of pictures me where, I'm, where, I'm, where I was born in my sort of teenage years. One of the films in that era was a Michael J. Fox film called The Secret of My Success. I don't know if you ever remember seeing that that movie. And it's all about him trying to work his way up the corporate ladder, a sense of there's something to achieve when I get to the top. There are other things that uh, ladders are used for in our vocabulary. Often, people, even little Sally's testimony this morning—or not little testimony, amazing testimony—of her cat client, is that sense of I need to climb out of the situation I'm in, whether it be debt, whether it be relationships, whatever it may be. There's always that sense in us that somehow achieving success is about reaching the top of one of these things, and even in the sporting world, uh, there's not a sport I think that covers climbing ladders, but there is sport that is climbing. Is that we're trying to reach the top of the, the the cliff or whatever it may be that we are climbing up? So we have this mentality there's something that is very good about being at the top, and something that isn't so good about being at the bottom. Now, this whole thought process can get into our mindset in our relationship with God that somehow that we all put ourselves if you like on this moralistic ladder now if you imagine this is this is our ladder of life and up here on the top step is God himself this is the highest point this is God most holy in all his goodness is at the top, and somehow we are down here. Now, if I asked you this morning, where do you think you're on this ladder? At what position would you place yourself in terms of knowing that the top is where God is and his holiness, and somewhere perhaps we are down down the bottom? Now, if you think about different people in society or people through history, it may be easier. Let's to pitch them first. Uh, so let's put, think of somebody like Adolf Hitler. Where would we put him on the ladder? Pardon? Have we dug a hole yet? So there we go. So in Dan's view, somebody like Adolf Hitler is is right down the bottom. And I think probably we would all go with that. And If you take somebody like Mother Teresa, where would we put her? Here? No? Here? Okay, here. You're going with the normal answers. Well done. (laughs) You are averagely normal. So Hitler's sort of down here. Mother Teresa's up here. And I'm sure there's lots of other people we can think about. Where would you place yourself? Where would you be? Where would Mick be? Well, (laughs) Okay. You're jumping ahead. (laughs) Naughty girl. Where would we put ourselves? Actually, if I'm thinking about a most holy God, if I don't know him, he is beyond my ability to be him. But I think most people, if you ask them, they would say, well, I'm not as bad as Adolf Hitler but I probably haven't done as much good as Mother Teresa. And somehow I'm sort of in here somewhere, about halfway. That feels about right, doesn't it? I'm not too bad, but I'm not quite there. And as Marian's already sort of hinted towards, the chances of us ever working hard enough and straining and looking to get to where God is, is never, ever going to happen. Because we cannot be God. He is holy. He is perfect in every way. And we have no chance of reaching Him. And so we have a dilemma that there is between God and wherever we are on this ladder a gap. There's a gap that somehow has to be bridged. And we know that in Christ, in Christ, We are seated. We are seated. Not because of my hard work, not because of my effort, not because I'm a great guy, because I help people across the road. No, because in Christ, my relationship with Christ seats me with him. And suddenly this gap that was once unattainable has been won for us. And there's there's two aspects to what Jesus has done on the cross that is really important for us to uh, uh, get in our hearts and our minds. They are slightly big words, so don't be put off by the big words, but I'll try and explain them to you because it's really important if we're going to be solid in our faith to understand them. So Jesus on the cross has died for your sin and my sin. He has taken upon himself every wrongdoing, every thought, Every action that we have done, past, present, and future, and he's taking it on himself. That means that the punishment that you were deserving and I was deserving is no longer coming to us because Christ has taken it. So it's so, you know, it's so important for us to know this. We can live our Christian lives and just, you know, I, I can do it, I can just bob along and just i need the wonder of god's grace to me every day to remind me that i had no hope all have fallen short romans 3:23 says and so christ on the cross jesus on the cross has taken our sin these are the two big words first thing he is a substitutionary atonement he is a substitutionary Atonement, what on earth does that mean? A substitute, just think of a football team, player gets injured, off he goes, on comes the replacement. Jesus has taken our injuries, as it were, on himself. He has substituted himself for us. So the punishment that was due us is no longer coming towards us, because Christ has taken it. It's amazing. It's an amazing gospel. He has changed everything. And this is his grace towards us. You see, something that we deserve. We deserve to be punished by God because he's holy. We deserve to be separated by him. We had absolutely no hope without him. There was no way of saving ourselves. It's not because you've just made a a wise decision to follow Jesus. No, he's opened our hearts by faith. even when we were dead, Ephesians said we were dead in our sins. We had no hope of resurrecting ourselves. We had a dead corpse here this morning. It can't make that decision for itself. Christ has opened our minds. Jesus has opened our hearts. That by faith that He's put in us, we say yes and amen to this amazing gospel. Jesus is a substitutionary atonement. He's atoned for our sins. He's paid. For our sins. It's just like if you've been uh, caught speeding and uh, there was a fine to pay and somebody came along and said, I'm going to pay that for you. Oh, no, 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 you can't do that. You know, I don't deserve that. No, no, no. I'm going to pay it for you. I'm going to take your place. That fine that you should be paying because you drove too fast is no longer counted against you. I'm going to take that for you. That's what Jesus has done. He's taken our sin. He's taken Julie's sin. Everything that she's done wrong, and I don't know much about Julie's life, and I'm sure she's got a few things there that she's aware of. Everything, Julie, Jesus has paid for. Hallelujah. He's paid for it all. Don't ever forget the substitutionary atonement of Jesus. Secondly, he's imputed righteousness. Another big sort of phrase, he's imputed righteousness. That means he has placed, if you like, righteousness upon us. He's imputed to us when we didn't deserve it. We are now righteous. So Marion's exclamation of us being seated with Christ is, is, is imputed righteousness. We don't deserve it. But he has imputed this righteousness to us. So as he now sees us, he sees us righteous. So important not to think I'm no longer a sinner. I'm no longer bound by sin. Sin isn't my master. Jesus is my master. He's the one who's won it and done it for us. He has made a way for us. So as he sees us, we are seen as righteous. We are as if we are Jesus. We are holy. We are set apart for him. That's how this most go, most holy God can reconcile us to him. Let me just read you a couple of verses from Corinthians. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. He says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, has made that declaration of Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my Saviour, you've done it for me. And now I receive this amazing gift of grace and your mercy. If anyone is in Christ, what is he? Or she? (laughs) They. We are new creations. New creations. The old has gone and the new has come. As Julie goes down into the baptismal water this morning, there's nothing special about it, apart from it's cold. Although I think it's not too bad now, is it? (laughs) Be prepared and take a breath. As she goes down into the water, it's her life, if you like, is being buried under the water. So as she goes down into the waters, her old life is being buried just as Jesus, when he died on the cross, he went into the tomb and he was dead and he was buried. We are, we are recognising our connection with Jesus through baptism. So she gets baptised, she goes down into the water and she is under the water. She is buried and she is dead. I promise they won't hold you there too long. The old has, uh, the, uh, here's a new question, the old has gone and the new has come. As she is brought up out of the water, she is being raised into a new life with Christ. Just as Jesus, who was dead and buried, was raised to new life from the tomb, so in the same way baptism symbolizing this new life that Julie has now come into. Hallelujah. All of this is because Julie's a really nice lady and has worked really hard for it up the ladder. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Wonderful. And now he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's reconciled us to him, and now we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You are reconcilers, church. You are reconcilers. Elaine, I'm believing for people in this room, when you open your coffee mornings, that they will be reconciled to Christ through what you're doing. We're leaving it. We're believing it. We are reconciled. We've got this amazing ministry of reconciliation that God has given to us. God was, was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. You know what an ambassador does? An ambassador has the right to go into situations and to speak on behalf of somebody in authority. You are ambassadors. You have the right to speak on behalf of the king. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you have the right to do that. Because that's what Christ has called us to do. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Therefore, be reconciled to God. God who made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. there's ever a verse to remember, put it on your fridge, it's that one. God made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want to encourage you if you know Christ this morning, let this re resurrect your passion for him and your love for him. Guys, we are hugely, hugely privileged. You know, I was, I tried to get down for the marathon this morning and. Uh, I hadn't realized they changed the start time. Um, so I was slightly late. And, uh, but there are, there were, even when I got there, there were still several hundred people running the marathon. You know, great crowds running, all their numbers on. Managed to see James as he went past. So I gave him, come on, Jamesy, uh, as he went. He was looking quite good at that moment, but he'd only done 200 yards. So it was, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> but, it was just you know, people gather to lots of things, don't they? You know, interests, whatever it may be, which is not wrong. But we've been caught up in something that's eternal. Do you know what just, please, please, don't just take it for granted. But oh yeah, I'm a Christian. No, no, no. This amazing God who created let's make reminders, the heavens and the earth has, has caught us up into his plan. The Spirit, and if the Spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living in you, who raised Christ from the dead will also give to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. I know Mick's going to be reading that a little bit later. The Spirit has made us alive. I want to, even at this moment, before Mick leads us through Julie's baptism stuff, I want to give you an opportunity, even now, I don't know everybody in the room by any means, but I want to say to you, there is a massive open invitation to you this morning. You know, you may be caught up on a ladder lifestyle where it's just like, Lord, I'm trying to find out. I'm trying to work hard. I'm trying to just, you know, you think that somehow I've got to do something to make myself acceptable. You are just come as you are. Honestly, come as you are. He accepts all people. I just want you to give you that invitation that this morning is just like, Lord, I've heard enough about you. I understand enough about what you've done for me. But I just want to take that simple step of faith to say, Lord, would you be my Lord? Would you be the one that now is the highest place in my mind, in my heart? Would you be the one? that I know has died for my sin and wants to bring newness of life to me. I want to give that little invitation this morning. If there's anybody in the room who's never responded to Jesus and just knows, do you know what, this is the moment. I wasn't expecting to do this this morning. I just thought I was going to go to church. And suddenly I'm caught up in an eternal plan that Jesus has got for me. I tell you, you will not ever regret it. There will be challenges, there will be difficulties, there will be bumps in the road, but when you are one for Christ, you are one for Christ forever. So I just encourage you, if you could just bow your heads, just so we, I don't want to embarrass anybody. As I say, I don't know who's here with us this morning who's in this position, but if you are in this position, I just want you to just simply raise your hand to say, I want to make that commitment today. I just want to make that commitment. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Anybody else? just going to give you another 10 seconds. Just catch my eye. Wonderful. Thank you. Hallelujah. Father, I just want to thank you for that hand that's been raised this morning. I want to thank you Lord, for newness of life that you bring to us. Lord, I want to thank you that you take our sin, that we are changed forever, that you catch us up in this eternal kingdom, Lord, that one day we will be with you. Hallelujah. But in this time, Lord, in the now and the not yet, Lord, your spirit would be on us and over us. Lord, I pray for all of us that know you, Lord, to know the spirit of ambassadorial impact in our lives. Lord Jesus, would you come? Hallelujah. Just for that one person who's responded, I just ask that, I'm just going to say a simple prayer. All I want you to do is just in your own heart and mind, could you just pray this? Again, don't want to embarrass you. Just pray this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you died for me. I want to thank you that you paid for my sin upon the cross. I want to thank you that you've not asked me to climb a ladder to reach you. I want to thank you that you were willing to come down the ladder into my life and to reveal yourself to me. I want to thank you that this day, as I've responded to you, that you would now flood me with your Spirit, that you would take all the things that I've been struggling with, and Lord, that you would make my life anew. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Second invitation I want to give you, is if you've never been baptized, and you love Jesus, and you've not even prepared for this today, but you know it's right, I want to invite you to come and be baptized as well. We will sort out how we deal with that somehow. But I don't want the sort of the inconvenience of getting wet to be a reason not to be baptized. So Mick's going to lead us through now baptism, uh, and it's obviously going to take Julie through. If that's you, I want you also to go and stand with Mick and with Julie and Marianne, and uh, we're going to baptize you as well if that's you. Is there anybody in the room that just knows? Mark, you want to go first? Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Hallelujah. Mark, fantastic.